we face a battle in this life that, if not for the grace of God, we would be overwhelmed. Life is overwhelming enough as it is, and yet God's grace has lifted us out of a no-hope situation where on our own, we were dealing with nothing but frustration, fear, doubt, failure, and yet God stepped in and said, I'll make a way. I will lift you out of that miry clay and set you on a rock. And that's the grace of God because we still face these struggles every day. And it is because of the struggles that we face that the grace of God has given us resources to face all the weapons that the enemy throws at us in life. And so we've been looking at the armor of God, which is really the grace of God. It is the free given gift of God because it is not something that God has put within us that we um, do on our own, but it is something that God has given us um, uh, to be able to overcome this life. And so we pick up our verses in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. It says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of His might. You see, it is not our strength. It is the strength of God that He gives us to overcome things that we cannot do on our own. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication, to that end keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And so we see that God has given us this armor that really is, is nothing that um, we can do in ourselves. In fact, we've seen that everything that we put on uh, really is not an armor of action. It is not something that we need to learn how to do to protect ourselves, but it is God Himself. That when we put on the belt of truth that pulls our life together, it is the truth of Jesus. Jesus said, I am the truth. Um, when we begin to let him pull our life together and we trust in him, we are secure. When we put on the breastplate of righteousness that protects our heart, 
uh, that guards the very precious parts of who we are. That righteousness is not acts of ourself, but it is the very righteousness of Christ that we begin again to let Christ fill our heart and our life. And as we begin to grow in a passion for him, he guards our hearts. When we put on the shoes of readiness, we are prepared not because of our own training. We are not prepared because of what we can do, but we are prepared by the peace of Christ. He said, my peace I give you. It's not something that you have on your own, but I will give you peace and the peace of God will cover you that will go beyond all your understanding and it will make you ready to face the enemy in whatever you face. And when we put on the helmet of salvation, it is not something that we work at. It is not something that we try harder at to, be, uh, to please God. But the salvation of God is Jesus himself. When we begin to have the mind of Christ, he begins to guard our thoughts he even begins to take captive every thought that, that the enemy will throw at us that will come from within us. And the salvation of God is both past, present, and it is to come. And we can have the hope uh, of salvation in Christ. So everything that we put on is Jesus. So everything we have is Jesus. Um, it is not what we do, but it is learning to live in Jesus. It is learning to find Hope and value and treasure in the preciousness of Jesus because he is our guard. Well, today we're going to move to the next one, which is these last two are ones not that we wear, but are ones that we use. So we've looked at everything that we put on. We put on Christ on our head. We put on Christ to guard our heart. We put on Christ to pull our life together. We put on Christ to make ourselves ready for whatever this life has to offer. But now these next two, the shield and the sword, are not things that we put on, but are things that we use. We need to learn to use um, these resources that God has given us. So today we're going to look at the shield of faith. And as we look at the shield of faith, there's one thing that in that word, sometimes it leads us to a misunderstanding of what this is. And many people have uh, uh, begun to go the wrong direction because of this. When we say it's the shield of faith, we need to understand that the shield itself is not faith. And I said, well, then how can it be called the shield of faith? Because faith, let's look at it this way. Faith is what allows us to use this shield, okay? So faith is kind of the connection that we have with the shield. But faith itself is not the shield, okay? You need to understand this. Faith itself is not what shields you. You are not protected by your faith. And many people have fallen into that trap. If I just have enough faith, if I can just believe, then I can move mountains. I can do this. You know, it's that crowd that it's just, you know, what? If, uh, if you're sick, you just need to believe. Um, and, and it is your faith uh, that will lift you up. It is your faith, but your faith is nothing more than the connection to the shield, to your deliverance. And, and this is what we need to understand, that we don't put our, our hope in our faith, 
we put it in who the shield is. And here is the truth. Throughout the Bible, we see that it has shown us that God is our shield. Okay? We need to understand this. God himself, just like all the other things that protect us, God is our shield. Uh, God is the one who shields us. He's the power that protects us. It is not our faith. I mean, who do we think we are that we have enough even power to believe enough uh, to have faith that would actually overcome anything? Now, there's power because we are miraculously made. I mean, these bodies and this existence, we are wonderfully made. And God has made us in the image of Christ. And so there is power that we have. I mean, the power of positive thinking is definitely true. But we can only do so much. We can only do so much by just being positive and, and believing in ourselves. I mean, and it's great, but it is never going to get us over the true enemy of our soul. Because the true enemy of our soul is ourself. So even within the power of our own faith, our own faith is flawed but by our own brokenness. So faith is nothing more than the means that God has given us to hold on to himself. God has given us something that we could have never accomplished in ourselves. There's no way that we could connect with God. In fact, we have been so far separated from God because of our own sin, because of our own selfishness and pride. But God has given us the simple foolishness of faith that if you will just have faith in me, God said, I'll be your shield. So faith is simply like it's those leather handles that you hold on to the shield with. Now, without that, the shield cannot be used because we have to connect to it. So it is the shield of faith in that the faith is what we hold on to to make use of the shield. But we need to understand this before we go any further on learning to use the shield of faith. On We need to understand who the shield is, and it is God. God is our shield. It is the power of our Lord and Savior that shields us. And, and, and throughout the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, we see this, just a real quick little uh, selection of just a few. Um, in Genesis chapter 15, verse 1, it says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. And now Abram, Abraham, is the man of faith. In fact, we see him as the father of faith. It is because of his faith that God uh, considered him righteous. But even Abraham, it was not his faith that saved him, it says, God came to him and said, Fear not, Abraham, I am your shield, and your reward will be very great. You see, God told Abraham, I will be your shield. Proverbs chapter 30 says this, Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. You see, for those who by faith Take refuge in God. God says he will be our shield. He will be a fortress around us. Psalm 91 says he will cover you with his pinions or his feathers. And under his wings you will find refuge for his faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You see, God's faithfulness to you can shield you from any weapon that comes against you, but it is God's power. It is his faithfulness that we stand 
in awe of. The very next verse says, you will not fear the terror of the night nor the arrows that fly by day. You see, with God as our shield, we don't have to fear anything. But here's the thing. God is not just a shield for everyone. It's for those who by faith have put their trust in him. And so this is why we call it the shield of faith because it is a humbleness that we come to God, we surrender our life, and by faith we say, God, I trust you, I need you, I put my hope in you, and because of our faith, a shield is given us. A shield that nothing can break through. The power of God. Who can break through the power of God? What weapon can overcome the power of God? Because God is the one who has made everything. God is the one who is in charge of everything at the whisper of his voice, things are overcome. Things are brought into existence or they are destroyed. This is our shield if we will understand and by faith not claim what we want, not decide what we're going to do and just believe it. You see, the faith is not a, it is not a claiming, but it is a surrendering. It is when I humble myself before God and I say, God, have your way, then he surrounds me. No matter what you're facing, you need to know that you have a power that is outside of yourself. It is not dependent on your abilities, but God himself will stand up for you if you will begin to walk in this shield of faith. And so when we look at the shield of faith, Um, which is the power of God, we need to ask this question. Okay, how do I use this shield? How do I become connected to this refuge that how many know we need? Because how many know there's times that we have felt overwhelmed? We feel like the waters are getting high, and and if something doesn't rescue me, I'm going to be overwhelmed. Uh, we, We see that the fire is getting close, And if something doesn't come and rescue me, um, I I don't see any hope. Uh, When we feel the storms in our life, you know, we know that God is there, but how many times do we start to say, okay, God, it's getting pretty close. I I need your shield. When our mind becomes buffeted by doubt and depression and despair and frustration, we need the shield of God to come in and raise up a, a standard that is higher than what we are facing. So how do we get that to happen? How do we use our faith to connect to the shield of God? See, that's the question. So there are seven things today that I'm gonna talk about putting the shield of faith into practice. How do we use it? Um, Here's the the first step in connecting to our shield Uh, that God wants to put around us. And the first step is we need to identify the dart. It says that with the shield of faith, you can extinguish all the darts of the enemy. In other words, the arrows that the enemy throws at us. Um, But we need to, first of all, if we're gonna be shielded from the arrow, the first thing is we need to know where's the arrow coming from, right? If I need to face, if you think of that, that soldier that had the shield, 
If he's going to hold that shield up, he, he needs to know where his enemy is. If we don't identify our enemy, many times the enemy is sneaking up behind us and what we think is over here and we are left open uh, uh, to the enemy. And, and so even in our life, we need to begin to be spiritually aware of our battle. What are we actually finding it so that we can begin in faith to bring God to bear against that enemy? Um, sometimes the darts of the enemy, the arrows of the enemy uh, are coming from uh, spiritual attacks. There are times that, that there are spiritual attacks, whether it is bitterness. You know that the enemy uh, wants to use something that someone else says to plant seeds of of bitterness or anger or envy. We need to be aware when, when someone does something, when they hurt our feelings, when they have let us down, we need to be aware, wait a second, that's, that's not something that they've done. There is a spiritual attack. The enemy is trying to use that to open up something in my heart to separate me from God. So we need to be aware whenever we begin to feel those thoughts of, of anger or bitterness or despair or, or thoughts of, of giving up, we need to recognize that as an attack of the enemy um, and not just a circumstance that we're dealing with. See, many times, well, that's just what I'm feeling. No, you need to recognize it as an attack of the enemy so that you can address it that way. Sometimes the attack uh, comes from uh, the physical situation that we live in. Because we live in a broken world, we live in a fallen world, we just live in a lot of junk. Sometimes it's not a spiritual attack. So don't see everything as a spiritual attack. Sometimes we, you know, the, the old saying, you know, the devil made me do it. It, it. It's always the devil. Well, I hate to tell you, there's only one devil and he's probably not concerned about you personally. In fact, if, if you are that important to the devil himself, um, wow, watch out. But sometimes the things that we struggle with are just the things of this earth. You know what? Sickness. And, and sometimes we just get attacked by, by living in a broken world where, where junk is just around us. And, and we're just walking on, on broken glass. We need to watch out for that. It, I need to be aware of that. Is it, is it the culture I'm living in? That, that I need to begin to, it's starting to get to me. Um, and I'm starting to be worn down. Um, and, and we see it as, well, I'm, maybe I'm just getting stressed. I'm just burnt out. No, maybe it's an attack that we need to address that I need to face these things. Um, uh, and I need to bring the shield of faith to bear in my life so that this stress, this worry, this anxiety does not, accomplish what it wants to do but it's not because of some spirit it's just because of the world that i'm in sometimes the dart that you are facing and here's the hard one it's not coming from out here it's coming from in here sometimes we're the ones shooting ourselves. maybe it's arrows of envy of jealousy it maybe it's envy it's it's darts of Today, we talked about in our men's study, discontentment, and we're just not happy. But the happiness is not because of anyone else. It's because my own heart, my own sinful heart pulls me away because I want other things. It's my own desires. 
It's my own wants. And we need to recognize that and say, hey, wait a second, I need to address that. I need to put a shield around my own heart. And I need, God, I need you to come against me. But we cannot do that until we identify uh, the darts. We need to understand. Um, uh, and, here's, and here's the promise of God. God will give us the ability to see what we're facing. He does not want us to be ignorant. In fact, look at what it says in 2 Corinthians verse 11. It says, um, God has done this so that we would not be outwitted by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his designs. See, you don't have to be ignorant of these things. God has given us the ability to be wise. God will come and give us wisdom if we pray like David. And David said, God, come and look in my heart and show me, is there any wicked way? Show me the weapons of the enemy. And when we need to begin to pray, God, help me to see that I am not ignorant of how the enemy works. We don't have to be. In fact, in 1 Peter, it tells us this. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. We need to be watchful. So God has called us to take the first step of we need to be watchful. That means every day we need to stop and ask ourselves questions. Why am I feeling like this today? Don't just give in to everything. Be watchful. Be sober, which means don't just take everything uh, for granted. Ask yourself, is this an attack of the enemy? A am, I, am I following my heart in the wrong direction? Am I getting upset at that other person when I shouldn't get upset at that other person? They are just as much broken as I am. This is an attack of the enemy. Instead of getting my feelings hurt, I need to recognize, hey, wait a second. I'm not going to be ignorant. The enemy is trying to turn us apart from each other because the enemy is always trying to break us up, especially if we're brothers and sisters in Christ. So the first step is identify the flaming arrow that is coming against you. Be watchful, okay? Here's the second thing. You got to believe that it can be defended against, that it can be stopped. I can stop this arrow. Here's the one thing that the enemy loves for us to do. Well, I can't help it. That's just the way I am. That is a lie of the enemy. You can help it. You can stop these thoughts that come against your mind. You can stop the desires of your heart. You can come against that depression that just bears you down. That is a lie. Do not give in to it. So the second thing is just simply do not give in to the fact that you can't stop the enemy. You can stop the enemy. In fact, this is what the Word of God says in Isaiah, and you've probably heard this statement before. No weapon that is fashioned against you will succeed. You shall confute every tongue that rises against you in judgment. And this is the heritage, now listen to this, of the servants of the Lord. Only for those who are serving God. There's the faith. For those who have faith in God, no weapon formed against you will prosper. It says, their vindication is from me, declares the Lord. Now again, look at that. Our victory is from God, not from us. So we don't become proud and say, I will overcome this. No, no. You will 
humble yourself and say, I will overcome it through God, that God is my source. But you need to know that you can overcome. Do not think that there's just no way out. I am just too far. God says no weapon formed against you would prosper. We need to claim that. We need to begin uh, to trust that. He says this in Romans, Romans 8. Is it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to the slaughter. But know in all of these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. You need to understand that if you have faith in God, if you have trusted in God, you are more than a conqueror. Doesn't mean you won't get hurt. Doesn't mean that there won't be arrows. You notice that that means you are getting attacked. We're not saying you're not going to get attacked, that you're not going to feel the, the, the conflict of this life. But in the midst of it, I am confident that I can overcome it. I am more than a conqueror through Christ who loved me. Through Christ, I put my hope. So you need to trust that the weapon that you're struggling with can be stopped. But you don't just trust that it can be stopped. And here's the third thing. You must trust that it can be stopped only by Jesus. Not by your faith. Not by just believing, I'm just going to try harder. Okay, I'm not going to give in. I'm not going to be upset. I'm not going to be angry with that person. I'm going to forgive them. Okay, I'm just going to do this. That's not how you're going to overcome. You've got to trust that I need Jesus to overcome this, or otherwise I will be bitter. I will fall into this materialistic viewpoint. Money and pleasure will take a hold of me if I don't have Jesus to stop it. It can be stopped, but only by Jesus. Okay, you've got to trust that because as soon as you put trust in yourself, Okay, I've got this, God. You know what, God? You told me I'm an overcomer, and so I'm going to overcome. No, no, no. You've got to trust that through Christ. So it brings me even lower. My response of confidence is in humility. It is in surrender. When I'm struggling, I need to surrender more. God, I come to you even more. I, I, I don't try harder. I go lower. I get on my knees deeper. I begin to open my hands more to God. And in so doing, I recognize that Jesus is my shield. God, you are a shield about me. You are the glory. You are the lifter of my head. I have to trust that Jesus alone is my hope. You see, this is what Jesus himself said. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. For in the world you will have tribulation. But take heart. I have overcome the world. You see, Jesus said, you haven't overcome the world. In fact, you're going to be attacked by the world, and you're going to struggle with it, and probably you're going to trip and fall. But here's what he said, take heart. I have overcome the world. Have you trusted that Jesus has overcome for you? Are you putting your trust in Jesus? Are you falling at his feet and just holding on by faith? That's the faith. It's a faith that holds on. It's not a faith that declares and, and arrogantly claims. It is a faith that says, I need you, Jesus, and I believe that you have overcome the world. So we've got to put our trust that they can be stopped and that they will be stopped only by Jesus. But here's the thing. In that, the next step that God has given us is 
his word. And so the next thing we need to do, once we put our trust in Jesus, we need to find promises. We need to find the word of God that counters that dart. In other words, this is how Jesus does it for us. Jesus, you alone uh, can do this, but how's he going to do it? He's going to do it through his word. See, we sometimes want Jesus, okay, just come and just miraculously take it away. Okay, do it, Jesus. You alone, Jesus. That's not how it works. Here's how it is. Jesus, I believe in you. God, you alone can do it. Now show me your word. Now I'm going to look to you. I'm going to let you work in me. He works through his word. We need to find the promises of God that if you're struggling with bitterness, then you need to find the words where Jesus says that I have forgiven you every trespass. Your sins, uh, though they were scarlet, are now white as snow. And if God has forgiven me, then I can let go of this bitterness. You find things. If it is anger, uh, you can find that the, the, the word that, that Jesus uh, brings us hope and, and gives us direction. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. But in rejoicing and thanksgiving to God, we begin to change our focus to what he has done. And, and so we find promises that go against anything that we are struggling with. We find the word of God that will come in and match that. And there is something in this word for everything that you are struggling with, whether it is uh, uh, jealousy, whether it is pleasure, maybe it's a pull of temptation, whether it is lust or, or whatever it is, if we will get in the word, you've got to get in the word. You need to find those promises and begin to put them in place in your heart and in your mind. This is what Second Peter says, his divine power, the divine power of God has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Jesus is our power. God is our shield. But look what it says. Through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. Through the knowledge of him. How do we have knowledge? By which he has granted to us his precious and great promises. So that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. God has given you the promises of God as your shield. Only God can do it, but it is through his promises. It is through his word. And it is a precious and great promises that God has given you to connect you to the power that surrounds you, that keeps you in him. So we need to find those promises. Second Corinthians tells us this. For all the promises of God in him, and in him is in Jesus, are yes in him and amen to the glory of God through us. You need to know every promise is for you. Not for our material blessing. Now, many people use that scripture that I can claim the promise, and then they'll go to promises of like Israel going into the promised land. Well, that promise was a specific promise to claim the land. You need to understand what does that mean for me? For me, it may be a spiritual promise against the enemy. It does not mean a promise that you're going to make a lot of money or you're going to claim whatever you want. The will of God is still going to go forth, but that promise is to connect you with the will of God in your life, to the shield about you. That's what the promise is. Are, and they are yea and amen to those who trust in God. 
So we need to find those promises and we need to surround ourselves with them. Well, here's the next step. Number five, if we're going to see the shield of faith work, then we need to begin to pray those promises into our faith. Once you have found those promises, you have gotten into the word of God, now you need to begin to meditate on those promises. You need to pray those promises. Oh, God, help me not to give in to these thoughts, not to give in to the hurt. But God, in the name of Jesus, I pray you said that you would give me wisdom, and I claim that wisdom right now, that God, you're going to be with me. You said you would never leave me or forsake me, and God, this loneliness is tearing me up. So God, I'm going to pray that God, your spirit would begin, and we need to begin to pray that. We begin to meditate on his word. We begin to think on those things. We, need, we come together. This is why we come together and pray together because prayer activates our faith. It grows our faith. Prayer strengthens our hold on what God can then shield us from. If we are not putting in the work of finding the promises and then praying the promises and surrendering to the promises, then the shield is not connected where we need Psalms 1 says this, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seats of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on the law he meditates day and night. He thinks about the word of God, the promises of God. The more you think about the word of God and what God has said, I'm telling you the shield just grows stronger around you. The enemy cannot get to your mind or heart if you are thinking on God, if you're thinking on his promises. Psalm 119, and you could go all through this psalm because it's all about the power of the word of God. It says, even though princes sit plotting against me, your servant will meditate on your statutes. Even when people are coming against me and I'm facing the hardest trial of my life, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to meditate on the word of God. I'm going to pray the word of God. I'm going to just begin to let God soak my mind and my heart with his word. It goes on later in 119, 148. It says, my eyes are awake before even the watches of the night that I may meditate on your promises. Do you think about the promises of God more than the promises of this world? See, here's the promise. We think about, I mean, here's the problem. We think about promises, but we get more focused on what the world promises me, which is a lie. They always let us down. Money will let you down. People will let you down. Success will let you down. And yet we fall for those promises. Oh, if I just do this, I'll be happy. You need to forget those promises, and you need to focus on the promise of God. The promise of God says if you will trust me in the end, you will be lifted up. It might be hard, but the promise of God is sure, and it will always happen. When we begin to focus on the promises of God, we find strength. So we need to pray those promises into our faith. Number six, the next thing is we need to raise the shield through obedience. See, now up until this point, it's one thing to believe in God, to trust in God, uh, to, to find the promises, to pray those promises. But here's the thing. Many of us, we do that and then we still wonder why we struggle. Because even though you do all those things, God expects you to do something about it. He expects you to obey. You have to put your faith to work. 
Faith is not just believing and, and, and reading and trusting and praying. Faith is doing the hard work of obedience. I need to live the life that God has called me. Because here's the thing. Every promise that God gave comes with a stipulation. See, God said, I will cause all things to work together for good to them who love me and are called to my purposes. We want the God to work everything for our good, but we do not spend time loving him and working at his purpose. God, I will live for your purpose. They, and you cannot separate those two. We need to put obedience in our life. If you are living by faith, that means you will be living by obedience. We want faith. Now, here's the thing. The, this shield that it, it talks about is not the little shield that we, we see people in a sword fight. They have a shield that they move around and, and block, and then they, they fight. Well, that's a small shield, and it's a shield that, that we use just wherever we want to use it. That's not the shield that the shield of faith is. See, that one is kind of, it's up to us. We can, we can, we can use it, and, and it can work into our mobility, Right? Oh, I can still do all my things, and I'll just use this shield whenever I need it. That's not the shield that he's talking about. The shield of faith is the word, it's the Greek word for the, this shield that is a full, almost like a door. And it's the shield that the, the, the army would use and, uh, to block uh, an onslaught of arrows that everyone got behind. This shield, you get your whole body behind it. So there's not any moving around and using it wherever you want. It's either you're either all in or you're out. So God says faith is like that. You need to get your whole life behind it. Faith is not something you just use over here when I want it and over here when I want it. A life of faith is everything in your life is covered by that faith. That means my marriage, my home, my work, my job, my, my playtime, every decision I make is covered by my faith in God. Am I living by faith? My, my purpose in life, everything I do is ordered by my connection to God. Is this what God would want for me? You see, that is a life of obedience, not a life of I can just use my faith however I want. That's how most of us do it. We live our life, oh gosh, now someone's attacked me, so I better get faith up. No, faith is meant to go before you the whole way. Everything I do is surrendered to God in faith. I cannot uh, just separate it out. You see, in Hebrews, it says this, faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. In other words, it's going to show up in my life. I say I have faith in God, but it better show up in your priorities, in what you do. Faith is not what you say you have. Faith is what you show you have. James puts it this way. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith, but he doesn't have works? Can faith save him? Faith is your actions. It's not your beliefs. We need to begin to live by faith. He says again, he says, for as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. And I love this promise that God makes in 2 Chronicles. 
It says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of. I'm just looking to be a shield for someone. But he's looking for someone who is, says, to, uh, someone whose heart is loyal to him. In another uh, uh, translation, it says he's looking for someone who is fully committed to him. When you fully commit your life in obedience to him, then he'll be your shield. He's just looking for someone that he can protect. But are we living obediently? Many of our struggles, the reason the darts are hitting you is because you're not being obedient to God. It's not because of your faith and it's not because of what God can do. You're straight out. You're not surrendering to God and you know it. And it's opening up areas for the enemy. Obedience puts the shield in place. Final thing. The final thing that we have to do is we need to interconnect the shield with others. Remember I said this type of shield that he's talking about is one of those big shields that covers the whole body when, when arrows and arrows are coming. Well, it was meant not to be alone. It was not meant for one person to carry a shield in front of the enemy. But what the Roman soldiers would do, and you've probably seen it in movies and stuff, they would come into a formation where they all came together and the people around the outside had their shields all connected and then the people in the middle put their shields over them and it was uh, called the testudo formation, which uh, in Latin was testudo. In our uh, English would be the tortoise and it looked like a, a tortoise. And they could move as an army straight up to the walls of a city. Even though the city were dropping things on them and shooting things, they could move without fear because they were interconnected and the shields of faith around them made them move like a tank. It would be like a, a modern-day tank uh, that nothing could stop. I'm going to tell you, the enemy is afraid, not of one person with a shield. Because one person with a shield is strong for themselves, that's good. But when we as a church bring the shield of faith together, then we come against the gates of hell. And you see, God, Jesus himself said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Because when we begin to put our shields together, we can move forward against the enemy and he cannot stop us. Ecclesiastes says this, though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. You see, when we come together, the enemy cannot break us. And sometimes the shield we have, we need the person next to us to even cover more of us. Sometimes we are saved by connecting with others even outside of our own faith. We need one another. So when we connect our faith to one another and begin to grow together, we begin to see the power of God's shield. And when we begin to quench the darts, when we begin to stop the weapon, the enemy becomes afraid because the enemy is helpless. And that's the point, is for us to overcome the enemy. Not just to sit back and cower behind our shield, but to move forward against the enemy.
to break down those attacks of the enemy, not just for us, but for others. So here's the question. Are you covered by God? Is God your shield? Are you protected by God? Or are you being stung by arrows? Oh, it's getting me. Oh, I'm getting hit here and there. Then we need to begin to connect to that shield with faith. We need to begin to strengthen our faith, our surrender to God, so that God will take hold of us and protect us. And you can trust that God will shield you as you begin to put your faith in him. Let's bow our heads.